The Keanu Review. Keanu, we gonna creep on you. From your B list to your realist, for eons do you know what Neo knew? And can you be Kung Fu? Or are you dead when he said party on dudes? I know it's beyond you that you could be untrue. Whether at point break speed or neon demon boo. We got a brief on you. Don't put the tea on you. We drinking cognac for the podcast of Keanu. You are listening to the Keanu Review. We are taking you on a roller coaster ride through the acting career of Keanu Reeves. My name is Robin Hitchcock, and I'm speaking to you from the editing booth because we are rejoining our in progress episode on 1989's Parenthood. So you'll also be hearing the voices of my co hosts, Regina Connolly and Bob Shields, as well as our lovely guest, Abby Fudor. I want to take a second to apologize for how long it's taken for this second half of the episode to come out. That's on me. I also want to apologize that we have a little bit of inconsistent audio quality here, especially at the end when we had to record separately. I did the best I could. I hope you enjoy listening anyway. And thank you so much for rejoining us. Here we are talking about parenthood. Since we rewatched Bill and Ted, like I think of that performance as more like deliberately comedic and heightened right. in its like mannerisms, whereas right. I feel like this feels like a more like dramatic, even though it's comedic, but a sort of like more natural person than right. Ted does, right. even though he's so yeah. But I I definitely agree. Like it's definitely I feel like this and Prince of Pennsylvania are like the perfect distillation of Keanu as like a very earnest sort of out of touch, but no dissembling. Like he's got no falseness about his character right. he just is 100 who he is but like right. played to the hilt which i think is really good yeah so the quick wrap up of like the plots and then we can get it more into scenes and stuff like that but essentially we find out keanu comes like he's now living with diane weist and uh, julie we find out that they got secret married uh she is pregnant at some point he tries to do drag racing and has an accident and diane weist like is very commanding as a mom and is like you know marriage is tough take care of your man and joaquin phoenix is like why'd you do that and she's like look their marriage probably isn't gonna last but like i get what my kids want or like i'm on your side joaquin phoenix and her have a touching moment so, like, they have, like, resolution and, like, a lot of the angst to some extent, although, like, challenging. They've, like, reached a detente. And she starts dating his biology teacher and, like, seems to be happier. So that's kind of what happens with all the families. And then the movie ends where everyone has a baby because it's a Shakespearean <laughs> comedy that everyone must be in a heterosexual marriage with uh, reproduction and everyone's holding a baby in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. And even the grandma smokes a cigar. The end. <laughs> that's my key Keanu is when the cigars are handed out and Keanu gets his cigar and he sort of gets it bites it between his lips and like cocks his lips slightly he is the most (laughs) distinctive cigar biter in the whole crew (laughs) i love that kikiano yeah that's amazing did we did everyone have their kikiano I haven't said it yet. Um, I mean, I guess I feel like it's the scene where he talks to Diane Weist. I mean, I think that's just such a great scene. And I think that he, but I, but I might be biased by the fact that like, I remember from watching that movie many times, like that scene is so, like, it's such a release. Like, mm. you've been so worried about the Joaquin Phoenix, like the Joaquin Phoenix character is like, truly, I think the most sad character like, in the makes- whole movie. It makes it feel very weird that Steve Martin is so worried about his right. anxious child where it's like, Diane Weiss, your sister is dealing with a kid who may be, like, genuinely disturbed. Right, right. I mean, but then that's that's the transition to mm-hmm. her scene with Diane Weiss is, like, at least it's not my sister's kid. There's a yeah. kid problem. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. he is introduced as, like, the true uh, problem kid of, of the family. I mean, you don't even, like, in the big family dinner scene where 
Amadeus. As he's, you call I him. don't think he's there. I don't think he's there. And it's her yeah. house. I don't yeah, really come back. Yeah. I also think in the scene where you were saying the Kikiani moment, another thing I really like about his performance, and part of this is also the writing, but like as he's describing to her like what's going on with her son, he just casually is like, Your chicken's burning. Oh, and yeah. then he's so sad where he's like, Oh, that looked like it was gonna be really <laughs> good too. Yeah. And I got sad. I was like, that did look good, chicken. <laughs> and then that the, I also just think the whole scene of just like this dude explaining to this middle-aged woman with like two kids and a vibrator like about sex like she's you know he starts with like uh do you know what a boner is and she's like if memory serves (laughs) the look on her face when he says that is academy award winning well that's the thing is like keanu holding his own against two-time academy award winner diane weist is just impressive yeah especially this early in his career yeah absolutely but i don't know i'm i mean like Probably also in the running for my favorite Keanu movement moment as just a sentimental, emotional new parent is like when he's holding the baby in the last yeah. scene. Yeah. Well, it's really so cute. One of our segments is would this movie be improved by a training montage? And my answer is yes, they should have had like a training for babies montage. Like a diaper yeah. changing montage? Yeah. Yeah. They could oh, have yeah. had like a baby shower for all the pregnant women since everyone had a baby within, you know, like a year of each other and they could have done like a classic games thing as a montage. I yeah. would have I would have <laughs> been down with that. I really liked the ending. I always liked it. I like it for several reasons. One of which is just like mm, babies. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, that's, that's where I am right now. But, um, but I thought it was really clever the way they reveal. I think the ending is so clever Mm. the way they reveal it's Diane Wiest's baby. You keep seeing the people that you would have assumed like, oh, I bet that was Mary Steenburgen in the, in the. Right, because we knew she was pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. We knew, we knew Susan wanted to have a baby. We knew that um, Martha Plimpton was pregnant. So the way they did it was just think that was really, really clever. And I think that, I mean, these poor babies uh, have a lot of pressure on them, but it does feel like all of those babies are symbols of like healing. healing and getting another chance right mm-hmm. like so much of it is that so um like either like i definitely i was surprised that it was diane weist i think the way that i could like summarize like part of why i don't think i liked this movie as much as i i would have liked to if that makes sense is mm-hmm. so there's a scene where steve martin and his wife are sort of like somewhat fighting about the fact that she's pregnant like he's not enthusiastic about the the pregnancy and she's like well should i have an abortion but so they're so they're sort of like in this unsettled state and things aren't resolved and the grandmother comes in like after hearing them sort of argue and the grandmother's like let me give you a metaphor for what parenthood is like which is like riding a roller coaster where it's all these emotions at once and it's not like a merry-go-round which is very sweet and i was like that's a good metaphor but it is very sentimental and very like of a certain flavor of explanation and then immediately after that that Steve Martin is like that's ridiculous that doesn't like encompass what's going on at all mm-hmm. and and then not two scenes later they literalize that metaphor where Steve mm-hmm. Martin's at a play where his kids are like running amok and you hear like fake roller coaster sounds mm-hmm. and I felt like this movie made some like interesting choices and in not just being like a hundred percent like everything's great everything is always for the best like there were some sort of like more challenging elements that it introduced but for me like the ending just sort of backpedaled on some of their like it's hard but you you make it through and you love it anyway and it just went back to sort of the more 
old fashioned, like, but everything is happy and everything is great. Like it just, it swung too wildly away from it's like dabbling in the reality of how challenging the families had it in a way that sort of like made it feel less sincere to me. So that's, that's, Mm. I felt like the movie did that throughout where it was sort of like sometimes grappling with the reality of, of parenthood or disappointing family relationships or emotional complications, but then coming down more on the sort of like sitcom-y like fantasy silly musical ending. So, So that was, kind of why Hugh Randy Newman yeah that's all so I do you you, do you disagree with the idea that parenting roller coaster as a metaphor for parenting or more that it didn't just that it made it a joke my point is more that the roller coaster metaphor is Mm -hmm. sort of like perhaps a little like on the cheesy sentimental side and then him immediately being like that's not really encompassing the reality but then the movie is doubling down on like this is a somewhat simplistic view of what's happening right well i mean i think that i i assumed that steve martin was was just more like grandma's just losing her mind and i don't see that as a good (laughs) metaphor right i mean mike was sitting next to me and he was like oh that that was nice of grandma to immediately summarize the point or like basically the, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. the theme of this movie is that with parenting you have bigger ups and downs and without if you don't parent like you don't have those big ups and downs but like you stay still and you just go in circles I think is what the movie was trying to say so like mm-hmm. if they're debating on having a fourth child I think it would be like the hills are going to be higher it's going to be that much tougher but the good parts will be that much bigger or whatever mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. I agree that I thought that I remembered the <laughs> I just thought the roller coaster bit in the play was very weird in the way they handled yeah. it. The only thing that meaning like it didn't really it just happened and we didn't really see him like I thought that in that like I guess what I'm saying is if I directed that moment, he would have had a moment in that roller coaster literal moment, he would have been like, "Aha, I get it now." But he the whole time he's just like I'm stressed that I'm on a roller coaster. And the only thing, I mean, I drew this out of it, but I was just probably making my own thoughts about parenting was like, I think what that scene was trying to ultimately do was he ultimately looks at his wife and she's beautiful and smiling. And so I think it's trying to be like, it's most important who you're on the roller coaster with. Mm. I think so too. Yeah. I think you're right. Like it looked, he looked over at her and she's on the same roller coaster and she's having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that in terms of devices of the movie, Mm -hmm. it starts with a fantasy sequence in the middle when he's stressed, he escapes to a fantasy sequence. But in this moment, he doesn't leave his family and exist only in his head. He's still paying attention to them Mm. and watching it. And it's sort of him being more in the present moment. I just think that it just was a little, I just like comparing that scene of him being like, it's a roller coaster, but I love (laughs) my wife and I'm going to put my hand right on her uterus versus like any of the Diane Weist scenes with her kids like i just felt like there was so much more genuineness yeah the conversation with diane weiss and joaquin phoenix walking away from the car where i felt like there was more specificity about Mm. parenting in that that you could draw more from yeah Mm -hmm. and and that was part of i felt like the movie i mean the name is parenthood it's reaching broadly but it is also (laughs) grounded in a sort of specific white middle class nuclear straight family thing that is not necessarily universalized so i just felt like when it was specific about what it was talking about it was really a Effective. And that it wasn't like yeah. I 100% didn't like it. I just felt like it's kind of ping-ponged between some of those scenes and some of the more like, I don't know. It's not like I don't like sentiment. It's just like, I, it just didn't feel consistent. That's all I meant. Yeah. So, also, it does struggle from the fact that the trope of like a daydreaming character and then going into the daydream, that 
visual language had not yet been established. Like, it wasn't until, like, Scrubs or something that did mm. that seamlessly and perfectly right. every time. Girlfriends. Like, this one, yeah, exactly. But it's like this one, like, when he does in, in the Little League game, when he does the, <laughs> the daydream, he t- makes a very odd and, like, jarring jester like three quarters up into the side <laughs> yeah like, wait what's he looking at you can see the like cartoon like thinking right above his yeah. head uh, yeah just the more we talk about it the more i think that it feels like two movies mushed together yeah yeah i was gonna mm-hmm. say two or three like it really is trying to be yeah. right i mean right yeah. jason robards and amadeus that could easily be its own movie we just barely it's like we watched the trailer for that movie yeah i mean actually <laughs> yeah. that that plot line is now I kind of forgot about it, but that plot line is actually the most serious. I mean, you it's have devastating. like like you have a child who, if it wasn't for these grandparents that immediately were kind and welcoming to this biracial child, which would not normally happen, I think, in a lot of suburbs in the eighties. I yeah. mean, I, you know what I mean? Like that. Like there's way like the most weighty stuff I think is with that. And he mm-hmm. is like a okay. I mean, his his the mother has abandoned him. Maybe I mean, I was thinking. Did like, they say she's on the run from the law? They did, but that's yeah. what this lying piece of shit said. That's true. So I'm right. kind of like, there <gasps> did is he kidnap that he, baby? He might have. <laughs> he would. He wouldn't take on responsibility. Just for he wouldn't. Fantasy. He wouldn't. Okay. I kind of was like, did he lose? Like, did he lose a bet? And and just I don't know. Woo. <laughs> the. Movie is definitely missing just a few minutes of that character, Larry. I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, Amadeus. Amadeus. It's, <laughs> I've never seen that movie. If this and movie so... were called Jason Robolds and Amadeus, I would totally watch it. <laughs> Same. 100%. It's missing just a few minutes of Larry explaining, like, because he only talks about getting cool at the dinner table in the goofiest way possible. That certainly me as an audience member, I was like, well, that all seemed like bullshit. And the idea is that like everything he says is bullshit. So I'm kind of like, I think there is something floating out there of like, who is this kid? Where is the mother? And so anyway, that plot line is truly devastating. And like, it it was the only part that I almost cried at for sure of like, is my dad coming back? And oh, that scene was so sad. I also, because also that child told him. I know. He was just like, no, he's not. He doesn't I know. Lie to him. I know. But also, like, I just, I agree that that plot line was devastating, both for cool, but also like for Amadeus and the dad, where it's just kind of like, what do you do when like your kid is a grown adult <coughs> and there's nothing you can do to alter the fact that they're living their life the way that they are in a right. reckless way that like hurts you? And again, we're like the ending scene where it's like everyone's happy and everyone's holding their babies, and it's like, but this family has like this big hole in it that yeah. no one is acknowledging, and and. And, in ter- and also, like, in the same way that you were saying, like, they don't really talk about, like, how cool came into his life or what's going on with him. There is no perspective on how the siblings feel about Larry. Like, Larry, it's only Larry's relationship yeah. with his dad. Like, Steve Martin mm. makes, like, a quick thing where he's like, don't let him be around your money, but that's it. Yeah. But the fact that the siblings seem otherwise close and, like, in no way are affected Oh, and then by- there's, like, one line where when Larry's talking about how, like, I'm a gambler because I'm not going to be normal when he's like, I am not Gil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's like the only and there's a touch yeah. of gil's resentment of like the easygoingness between amadeus and oh, jason right. robards right yeah. but that is just dropped yeah i also think that that line is what 
makes Jason Robles go talk to Gil. Right. He gives him a great look when he says that. Oh. I think it's like him. He's like, oh, you're like me. I'm a shitty dad. You don't want to be like Gil, but I think Gil's a good dad. Right. Yeah. So in terms of like the roller coaster moment and then, or metaphor, and then the like Diane Weist little speech with Joaquin Phoenix, I think that those are two of three moments in the movie that try to sum up parenthood. And I, and the one that I think probably resonated the maybe the most with me although i definitely get the roller coaster thing is is the jason robards talking to steve martin and mm-hmm. and i you mentioned this a little bit regina but like basically how him being like to steve martin like so you know how you would do anything right now for kevin who's eight years old you would drop everything you would pay any amount of money to do whatever because you love him and he's your son that yeah. never stops. There's right. no finish line. It doesn't happen when they're 18. It doesn't happen when they're 80. You never, like, the idea, I think that was definitely what resonated with Mike the most, like, maybe as a dad moment, but, like, there's no there's no end zone. There's no spiking the ball. There's no touchdown. Like, you just are in it until you die. Like, you just will always care and be scared. And, and so, yeah, like, how do you... So what do you do when your son is just an absolute shit and just should not get the bailout that he gets? But it's like, Mm -hmm. I'll just like, yeah, that that end scene is just so interesting when he's like, here's my whole plan. And he's like, okay, counter, I'm going to do whatever I want and give me more money. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, that really felt like fuck off money. Like, here's your check. Like, get out of my life. Yeah. 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 I will say that scene, the conversation between Dad and Steve Martin, that's – if we were going to cast uh, Keanu anew, if we were going to cast current day Keanu Reeves in this movie, I would cast him as the patriarch because I think that he has the range to do the like, I'm a prick and it is fun to watch him like be mean to people. But I think <laughs> then the switch to the like frightened tenderness but still kind of an asshole of, of that scene, I think Ooh. current day Keanu would be really good in that. I mean, he he's only fifty six though. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, old head makeup. <laughs> he could have yeah. had a kid at eighteen. It's fine. Okay, Jason. He was only sixty three or something. He says his age. Like I was like again. I was like, yeah. He, what? He says he's sixty three. <laughs> wow. How old was actual Jason Robards? Oh, also, they say Tom Hulse is twenty six. That also that uh, there's a lot of eyebrow raising regarding casting yeah. and ages in this film. Right, because I feel like you're you're supposed to think that. Larry was born when the parents were like older, like late forties, mm. is what yeah. I thought you were supposed to think. And then turns out, no, because sixty three <laughs> minus twenty seven is what. <laughs> we'll edit out this gap to make a huge mark. Podcast math. <laughs> okay, wait. Sixty minus twenty is forty. Three or thirteen minus seven is six. Thirty six. Is this new math? Yeah, I think thirty six is right. But also, if he, if Steve Martin, so again, is the oldest, still younger than when I had Perry. <laughs> if yeah. Steve, if Steve Martin's the oldest and he's sixty three, he would be twenty eight when he had Steve Martin. Tw- oh, okay. So I'm just saying, I think current day Keanu Reeves could reasonably play early sixties, even though he's okay. not there yet. I think that's fair. I think, yeah. Um, Who would you guys do? I thought really hard about this because I just couldn't think of anybody. Me um, too. And so <laughs> I decided, I was talking to Mike about it and I said, I decide Mr. What's-His-Name, the biology teacher, because he's the Aww, only nice, nice guy. And yeah. and Mike said, yeah, he could like 
but he would teach like potions Art? or something. Yeah. <laughs> <Potions>. Guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He would be a cooler yeah, teacher. I think Steve Martin's nice, but like I do not think that Keanu could do the Steve Martin yeah. role in the same way. Like, I agree. I think he would yeah. play that, yeah, the the Diane Weiss new guy, but in a way that he would make that role a little more memorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would cast him as the behavioral psychologist who's late oh. to the parent-teacher oh. meeting. Oh, Who's That's like, we just want the what's best for your son. And they're like, fuck off, Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he really tries. He does, yeah. He does. He's like, it's so, not your fault. I also thought about this for a long time because this one is particularly difficult, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny my... because it's a movie with so many Right. Well, right. But he's like, kind of too old to play most of the parents. Right. And and just not and just those are so far afield from his type. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, so then I was like, can I make an argument for him still playing Todd? But I think the age difference is just too extreme. Like I think that if it was 10 years ago, he could still do it and like be the older boyfriend, but it, it just it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um so my random side character is uh the mean boss with the treadmill oh, in his office. I thought about that too. Yeah. <laughs> that That's a good one. And like him in like sweet November corporate asshole mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, that treadmill was a Rufus moment for me. There were so (laughs) many Rufus moments. We need to go through them. The biggest (laughs) glaring one is the like sniper on the bell tower. I was like, oh, this movie was before Columbine. Yeah. But there's like. There was, though, Sniper on the Bell Tower in real life, yes, right? No. Like, that's still kind of insensitive. It is, but it also felt <laughs> more like 80s. a boomer reaction to it of, like, remember when that happened? Yeah. But I just, I don't think a movie today would have, a like, a fantasy sequence where a dad, or oh, not I in that way. I remember 100% watching that, that scene when I was younger and was like, this is a funny scene. Because it's, it's yeah. definitely played yeah. for yucks. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> and then similarly, all the kids' water guns yeah. are all black realistic guns oh, that like yeah. super, super get the cops to murder you, especially if you're black. And I like literally like flinched when yeah, I saw all those caps. guns lifted yeah. at once. That's, it was, well, like, that one shot is very intense. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The office scene with Dave and Gil is the 80ist scene that ever 80s. He has yeah. the first treadmill I think that was ever invented. <laughs> he does not own any gym clothes. He's like, like I'm in my slacks and my button down and my tie. He was in the classic 80s like the blue striped shirt with the white yeah. collar. He was just right? Gordon Gecko, yeah. Yes, yep. he is Gordon Gecko, but that treadmill weighed four billion pounds it was the first one and it was white and it had giant buttons and it looked like a scientist was like try this to improve your exercise yeah Um, it looks like a treadmill from like night of the living dead or something it's like this is what we test the zombies with science facility it was upsetting looking and (laughs) then he gets off Tells himself off and lights a cigarette, baby. Yes. <laughs> Indoors. At work. Indoors at work during his exercise. Hour. <laughs> oh like that scene shows how much smoking was zero percent thought of as unhealthy. <laughs> like, that you would light up after uh yeah. And just the it was just the d- most like there wasn't even the faintest faintest thought that a woman might work it was just like <laughs> yeah they were all teachers it was like a dude talking to a dude about 
which dude's going to get the promotion because which dude is going to leave his wife at home the <laughs> most to get the dude deals done and the men and the men do the business and the men and the men and the men. It was just, just 80s. I was just ready for cocaine lines at any moment right <laughs> any moment. so ridiculous there was so much of that like steve martin having like all the vhs tape pulled out i was like mm. that like everyone's phones the like the phone that diane weist used and then like the the rotary phone the pleats and everyone's pants uh <laughs> harry's ex-wife wearing those like high-waisted acid wash shorts with like the fold out buttons <laughs> Uh, and oh, also Keanu yeah. at some point when he's like running after <laughs> okay, Julie, he's got the rip to underneath his you guys in what you call characters. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's ex-wife. Harry's ex-wife. Whatever her name I was. I do know those shorts though that you're talking about, and I yeah. was like, one thousand percent kids are wearing those right now. And oh like, yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But when Keanu is chasing Julie, the back of his jeans, like he his jeans are both ripped like right under his butt crease. And I definitely remember in high school, like everyone having or many people having jeans that would rip there. And it just felt very dated to me. And I was like, How I don't about think that's the scene where they shave under their hair, which is completely in style now? Yeah. Right. And yeah. I I actually don't was that in style in the 80s I don't remember that with that hat that she wore for sure (laughs) that was a very 80s little like brim hat yes yes (laughs) yeah but you're right nothing topped that treadmill scene that Uh, treadmill scene my only Rufus scene or Rufus moment that I noted was in the scene where Kevin has his quarter stolen and and I think at Chuck E. Cheese I noted it as hellish puppet restaurant (laughs) (laughs) because it had the freakiest fucking puppet show. Wait, that was real Chuck E. Cheese, wasn't it? It was a fucking nightmare is what it was. <laughs> it looked like something out of Return to Oz. Yeah. I think that's what Chuck E. Cheese was. Wasn't that a real oh Chuck God. E. Cheese? Help me I out, no fellow idea. I n- I've Americans. never set foot in a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, me <laughs> either. Me what? neither. They don't have as many over where we grew up. Oh. Also, it was it was too oh it was too fancy for us. My parents were like, you're not going to those birthday parties. We're not giving you quarters. We take you down the shore and that'll be good enough. Oh, well, that, well, first of all, going to the ocean is extremely fancy to this <laughs> Rust not Belt grandparents. Girl. <laughs> not where your grandparents live there. I just meant we would go to the boardwalk and the only time we would get quarters would be like one night there. We okay. weren't going to birthday all, parties. All of that all is year. very foreign. We went to a mall for one hour and experienced fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember, because I remember the, the, the chicken lady, I think, is actually because I remember thinking that I was like, "Is this?" But then I actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure you see like marketing, and it's not Chuck E. Cheese. Wh- okay, what I think it is is I think it is a real Chuck E. Cheese, like meaning like they just went inside an American Chuck E. Cheese and filmed the insane puppet show that was what those were, <laughs> and then they just changed the marketing outside of it, like for the boxes and stuff like that, like they did uh, Bill and Ted. Yeah, but I remember, I mean, like scary weird uh like that part of Chuck E. Cheese is stuck in my memory as like a when people like relive their 80s or 90s childhood like that is definitely a yeah that was weird that was scary (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) no wonder it has inspired countless improv scenes yes exactly (laughs) I feel like I've seen more scenes set in Chuck E. Cheese than people who have and and sketches as we all know right Regina? Yes. Yes, (laughs) Yes. this is true. Okay, oh, this is actually, uh, I'll share a, I'm a parent, Rufus, is 
the car seat that that <laughs> little boy like I was having a heart attack in the first scene of the movie where they were like, did you remember, you know what I'm talking about, where like they could bang? Yes. yes. It was so, I the same thing. It was so upholstered, it looked like a lazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> it must be so dirty. So dirty. And they were trying to get it down, and then later when they're singing the diarrhea song, you see him, and it is up. So it is just not buckled. They are on the highway. <sighs> <sighs> Also, like modern day, okay. like two out of three of those kids would still be in car seats. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Kids wear car seats until they're like sixteen now. Yeah, that's yeah. what. And Mike <laughs> noticed that they weren't wearing seatbelts. Oh goodness! They probably goodness. didn't even. And uh, in the eighties, I don't think you had to have seatbelts in the back seat to your car. Oh yeah, I think you're right. That is so Thank wild, you, Ralph Nader. <laughs> So I would say, like, this also felt sort of dated, but just in terms of, like, movie making, not necessarily that, like, what was happening in it other than the guns, but the scene where it was just like, Steve Martin's a comedian, so we're going to let him do this whole bit for a while, which I, I was on board for when he plays the, like, cowboy. Oh, and the, yeah. He has the line that you were talking about. Like, I was yes. like, this doesn't necessarily make Yeah, but I didn't care. I loved it. I, I thought it, it was oh, I love that I scene. Yeah. That was the but scene I had that the was the most, thought- like, it was like in every John Travolta movie he gets to dance it's like Steve Martin gets to do some I'm a funny guy entertainment and I do think that you're right that my parents like I think that my parents were like here it comes we love this scene (laughs) Steve Martin's gonna be hilarious or also the bit when the kid they win the little little league at the end and he does like a funny dance and a funny run you're like well there he goes yeah 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 yeah. and I was just worried about the the, the grass stains he was gonna get on his dad jeans He's like scooting around on the grass. Yeah. You can see, by the way, my note. Look how upset I am. This car scene. <laughs> that it's all cats, listeners. Mom moment. So this was such a throwaway line, but I guess it fits here in the Rufus of. <laughs> and this is just a product of me watching anything or doing anything in February 2021 on the heels of what a time we're having right now, where at the dinner, Amadeus is when he is bullshittedly explaining how he got cool, he says something like, we were together and then we drifted apart as you do in these complicated times. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, boy, it struck me as somebody that's like lived, lived through the presidency I just did. And like, I'm not allowed <laughs> to like leave the house and see my friends. I just was like, what, what do you think he was referring to? In 1989, economic crash. Like, was that? I think he just meant personally. Like, oh, okay. It's complicated because I got no money and I was in Vegas. Oh, I thought it was like 1980. Like, as you know, the 80s are wild. I I do think think he's saying that. I think he's referencing the the crash. This is the very end of the Cold War. Yeah. Like, I. Oh, really? And also, you you always think that the like you're right this is exceptional i, guess, I, I think yeah. we could all agree that this year's worse but like in right. 2018 we were probably like yeah. the world is ending yeah you're I right mean, you're it right. felt like it was based right. on the outfits that he wears throughout the movie like it was complicated like the pockets <laughs> on the front of his blouse were so big and so low and he was wearing like low like he was wearing like lace-up shoes with jeans it was he was having a time with that leather jacket <laughs> okay <laughs> So okay, wait, so, now I have not seen Amadeus. Do you guys love <laughs> that movie? And do you, is he like really, sim- I mean, I know who Amadeus is, but what I'm saying okay, is like, the main character. is great. <laughs> and he is, well, I would argue that Salieri is the main character, but aside, they were both nominated for best actor and Salieri won. But 
Tom Hulse's <laughs> performance in that movie is like legendary for a reason. All right. What I was going to say before is I think like Amadeus <laughs> is an iconic movie for me because my sister watched it a thousand times. Uh, and so by proxy, I've also seen it a million times more than I've ever heard of Curly Sue. So it's just I don't know. I, I don't know how he could be anything other than that role. So I guess I should watch Amadeus. It's really good. It's yeah, good. it's long, though. It's sad. But I mean, are you like, is he lovable in it? Like, I feel like yes. you guys are giving Larry a big break. Because you keep calling him Amadeus. Yeah, he's a, he's a lovable I think scab. you might be right. <laughs> no, like, no, I, Amadeus is an asshole. He is, but he's a He's a lovable asshole. He's a scampy mm. asshole. A yeah. scamp, okay. I think okay. he's got the same qualities as Larry's, except for Larry's not a genius. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not I, re-watching born. this movie, I think I always was mad at Larry. I was like, this is, this is making me too upset. Like, I fucking hate this guy. For some reason, and I don't know why, like, I don't really have anything... It's not like I was, like, imagining Perry doing this to me. I was just like, ugh, this character is so me. I, you know what it is? I think maybe more than ever, I felt so much love for cool as, like, a new mom. Yeah. Like, I was like, I want to bring this boy to my bosom and love him. And so that made me really hate Larry more than, mm-hmm. like, in the past, I was just like, what a jerk. And he's not being nice to his dad. And now I'm like, you are a monster, sir. <laughs> he just... He 100% reminded me of Jack from the Marilyn Robinson, like, Gilead series, where I was like, oh, this is the, like, less literary version of that that dude. Right, right. Who would Charlize play? So I struggled with this one, and I'll be honest, I entertained for a minute replacing Clint Howard with Charlize, because I think <laughs> it would be very funny for her to just show up. And also, like, what a trade. <laughs> But I don't know if that is my actual answer, but I'm thinking uh, about it I think it, it would be still. even better to add her as an extra character, Clint Howard's mysteriously hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought a lot mm. about her. I think of the main characters, the one that makes the most sense casting wise is to play Harry's ex-wife. That's Susan, yeah, for sure. But it still doesn't feel quite right to me. And so I'm going to do kind of a jokey cop out and say I would also have her play Steve Martin's asshole boss with the giant ah, treadmill. Because yeah. for this segment, you could transcend time and space. So I could put present day Charlize in 1989. Yeah. My actual answer is to also transcend time and space. I want to get young Charlize and replace Julie. Because I mm. think Charlize mm-hmm. and Diane Weist going toe to toe in the mother-daughter fighting and the reconciliation will be very moving. And I thought for a minute about putting her in Diane Weist roles because of her role in Tully of like, I felt like that mm. is like a very yeah. uh, tough movie in terms of like, because I think when we did Theronathon, we were like, she never really plays a mom, but then she played it like to the hilt. Mm-hmm. But I think seeing her in the teenage daughter role when she was younger. So Sorry, Clint Howard, you get to stay in this movie. <laughs> he needs every royalty check he can get. And I mean, this would start a cascade effect because it's he has to be in it because it's a Ron Howard movie. So who yeah. would he replace? And we could just go on and on and on forever. He would I be think... one of the robots in. Uh... Or, or would you be replacing Clint Howard in every Ron Howard movie? <gasps> no. Okay, so I would either, I have one of two, either Larry, like maybe it would give me a shot. I mean, I guess like mm-hmm. it would be a whole gender switch but like yeah i would be curious to see if an actor that i don't an actress that i love if maybe i would have more like i have no idea if larry is written to be just completely hated by the viewer or Mm. if we're supposed to feel sorry for him as a gambling addict or he's whatever like 
I mean, I, I feel like the whole movie is supposed to be, as we said earlier in the podcast, a little bit of like, all four of these children are damaged from Jason Robards parenting right Mm -hmm. and so larry was just as much right and so maybe i would feel i don't know and then the other one would be mary steenburgen just because i guess i would be curious to see her face when she saw steve martin's wife fronts oh (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think that mary is delightful in this movie but she's a little bit she's a little bit on the weak housewife side and that's like a one note yeah, and, like, I'm not saying that. Obviously, there's a whole scene where she's like, I want to be a stay-at-home mom, and I don't like being judged for that, and I think that I'm better at this than I am at my job. And I think when she gets pregnant, there is absolutely a sense of this male-driven film that the audience is supposed to be like, good job, baby crazy lady. I'm glad you <laughs> like staying at home, and, you know, and it's like, poor Steve Martin has to has to be the dad in this tough world. So anyway, I would just like to see kind of a a tougher actress play that role and be a little bit more of his equal, I guess. Mm, I think that would be good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One segment I think we might have missed is Keanu No. I know that I said one and Bob said his hair. Do either Regina or Abby have one? No. Yeah, I'll say I thought he was weirdly different acting wise during the drag race scene huh hmm. i don't know why accident the whole thing the whole thing i don't know i mean i guess you don't really see him a lot he um, maybe it's because like i think he is so marked by being like incompetent and dumb and in love with Julie, so this scene is like, I'm, I'm big boy now. I'm doing my drag race. But there was something about, and yeah, I guess particularly afterward, I don't, I thought that scene was weird. I think that was maybe mm. my least favorite scene in the movie. Um, yeah. like, all of it, I guess I should have gotten this earlier. You feel free to trim this up or whatever. But I do think that <laughs> this up, we have been recording for an hour and 35 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I think that like she's super pissed at him because he's drag racing. Then like a second later, she's at the drag race and it's like, mommy, help me. So she mm. suddenly unmatted him and then he <laughs> does it and he crashes immediately so it seems like he's terrible at it and then <laughs> yeah. and then, but then like, the guy's like come back anytime come back anytime like, and he's what? like and then he's like great great career for me crash test dummy and i'm like wait do you not like doing this are yeah you upset? are you upset that you crash are you normally better at this all of it was like it fe- again it feels like because it was so many movies in one it was yes. like this diane weist here's another one storyline had mm-hmm. some this this part needed fleshed out a little bit more because it just seemed like or rushed down, just, or just cleaned they up had a fight another place like yeah I felt like the fact that this movie has a drag race a school shooting a baseball <laughs> fantasy right like uh, was it was it because they party? wanted a, like, a, lot. a crash they already had a yeah. crash with the I, I, oh that, yeah yeah, so, and it's it's a very different kind of scene. Like it's it feels yeah. very out of place in the rest of the movie. Like you could yes. you could have had him be any other shitty job. Like why and, this? Or like he could have been house painting and fallen off a ladder or something. Yeah. And I don't understand like Keanu seems mad at Julie. Like I just the whole thing I guess like in terms of it 
plot-wise, but then also even emotionally, which is how I watch everything. Um, I'm like, what is going on in this pickup truck? Like, is he mad at her? And then eventually she's like, Diane Wee solves it by being like, you're going to be the parent of my grandbaby. And then they're like, yeah. oh yeah, we forgot we're having a baby. And then they hug. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Hi, it's Robin from the editing booth again. And when I say booth, I mean the downstairs of my house. As I uh, mentioned at the top of the episode, we had to record a bit to add in because we recorded for a really long time. I got crabbing, which means I was hangry. And I said, we're done. We're done. Let's go. But we weren't done. When we were originally recording, we forgot to add our rating. So we separately recorded our own individual ratings for the film, which I'm now going to play for you. I'll start with me. <laughs> I originally was going to create a rating for each separate storyline in this movie based on our theory that it feels like several movies mashed into one. And then I realized that just averaging those numbers wouldn't be fair because some of the plot lines take up a lot more time in the film. So then I was like, oh, I'll do a weighted average. But that felt like way too much work. And so I'm just going with my gut and giving this movie a 14. And that's on our scale of 0 to 20. And now here's Abby, who recorded it in her car. Okay, on a scale of 0 to 20, I would give the movie Parenthood a 15. Um, I think going above that, being in the top five numerical places uh, of this numerical list, seems a little too high for a movie that is so odd in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, I definitely think a lot of the acting performances, particularly as we talked about Diane Weiss, um, really bring it up. Uh, probably without that, it would be more in the 10 to 15 range. I, I'm, I'm considering a 16. <sighs> so... Since I'm recording this on my own and no one can uh, stop me, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 15.5. I think I feel very comfortable with that score um, and uh, would definitely, uh, you know, recommend it to, uh, to, to anyone that would like to watch it. And here's Regina and Bob. Okay, so scores. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was extremely watchable. It's not surprising at all to me that eight-year-old Abby really liked watching it and watched it repeatedly because I think it's, um, you know, it feels like hanging out with a family. Um, so I liked it a lot, um, despite its many weird tonal shifts and sort of unclear devices. Um I thought Steve Martin was excellent. I thought Diane Wiest was um, magnificent, as usual. Uh, and I thought Keanu was really good. And I thought he was better at his role than anyone else in that role would have been. And the only other people I can really think of who were of age at the time would have been like um, Marty McFly. Fucking, what's his name? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox or like Matthew Broderick or someone like that from War Games. <laughs> Um, yes his most famous film <laughs> probably um <laughs> i've never seen it i thought i would just think of him as ferris bueller oh yeah there's also that but uh keanu is you know makes that slapping the salami speech 
both funny and kind of poignant in a way that I don't think anyone else could have. Um, so all told, I would give this, uh, pro- I think it's actually my highest score of any movie. What? What? <laughs> you like this more than Bill and Ted? Yeah, by two points. Holy I like shit, this to the tune of 17 out of 20. Wow. Wow. So uh, we're recording this after the fact, um, which I don't know if that's going to influence my score at all. But Bob and I talked about what we were going to score before recording, which we normally don't do. And I was like, "Mm, seven. And then Bob came out with a whopping 17. And I was like, well, I feel like an asshole. Um, (laughs) And also he pointed out that my score for Prince of Pennsylvania was... Do, 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 a nine. So how could I score this movie less than Prince of Pennsylvania? You can't. Here's the thing. I can do whatever I want. It's my column in the table. <laughs> um, But I mean, one of the reasons I think that Prince of Pennsylvania arguably could have a higher score is that Keanu is a main character in that, whereas he is in Parenthood for like, what, 15 minutes? Sure. And like, he's got some great monologues, but he's barely in it. I think the seven might just be the factor of like, I'm tired, guys. I'm sorry. I'm very sleepy. I didn't dislike it that much. I just remember the things that I didn't like about it a little. They stick in my brain a little Mm -hmm. bit more right now. But uh, I think that what I'm going to do, because I think this is, I think this is the right answer for me. I'm going to give this movie a a 10. It's like right in the middle. And that's because half of the movie, I think, is quite good. And uh, half of the movie sometimes frustrates me with its sort of glib summary of uh, sentimentality of life. Um, it does and, have a comedic mass shooting. <laughs> but also, like, it has fucking Steve Martin. How could I not? I mean, when he's, like, wearing those, like, goofy I'm a cowboy pants and it's obviously just they're like, we have Steve Martin. We have to let him do a bit. Um, I also love Rick Moranis with my whole heart. Uh, Diane Weist, obviously, uh, Keanu, I'm making a podcast about him, so fan of that. And for any, you know, data dorks out there, currently, each of the Keanu review hosts, Bob, Robin, and myself, our, <laughs> our score, our average score for all the movies that we've rated is 10 for each of us. So I think that's cute, and I don't want to mess with that. Uh, so I'm sticking with a straight down the middle 10 for Parenthood. Very good. And now back to the original ending of the episode that we recorded. Cool. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Abby, for being here. Thank you for having me and finally (laughs) giving a platform to parents to talk on the (laughs) (laughs) Dave is going to be very upset. You know, he's got to. I know, Dave. I listened to (laughs) your parental take on uh, Johnny Mnemonic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think he mentioned fatherhood one time. But uh, also, quick thank you to non-parent Alex O'Brien, <laughs> who uh, originally asked to do this movie. And we were like, Abby really wants to do it because of parenthood. Oh, my. Of course. switch? Of course, Alex O'Brien loves this movie. We, I just saw on Twitter that she loves Defending Your Life. And I also love that movie. What a great movie. <laughs> it makes me want pasta every time. But you should go listen to Alex O'Brien's podcast with our friend Kyle Longstorff called knockoffs also because i was the most recent guest on their on the, the yes. two-part season finale uh so you Ooh. can if you like listening to me and you want to know who our friends are because they're very funny and you like denzel washington yeah i was just gonna say i i haven't w- listened to it yet but i'm definitely gonna listen to that one because i weirdly love the movie fallen <laughs> <laughs> seen it well, a lot we'll find out how we felt about it if you listen to it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also Thanks. thank you to alex reed for our amazing theme song and, and most, most importantly, importantly, thank you, Keanu. 
You're one not messed up big dude. so <laughs> good. It's with cheese. We're gonna eat it all up while we talk about Keanu Reeves. Cause this is the only movie I've ever seen him in. And he's just weirdo Larry. He's so the voice of Quasimodo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I'm pretty sure oh, you've seen. Oh, I have seen. I did not know Mama that. Day. Do you call it The Hunchback of Notre Dame for real? No, I, I just did, but I. <laughs> I have Wait, seen Amadeus, what do you like, say? Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. It's French. No, Bob. I don't think Notre Dame. Okay. Look, we have got Versailles around here. I so. 100 say The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Notre. Dame. And then <laughs> if we knew things about sports, we I mean, would be like, like, you know who's the real hunchback of Notre Dame? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Broody, I mean, am maybe, I right? Maybe if I was in France and we were looking at the Notre Dame, I would say it like that. But if I'm talking about a Disney movie I watched in my Pittsburgh house, I would but say- But you do know that- It's not set at the college, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, but he, but he is in the actual place in the movie. <laughs> I just- it's not Robin never, running with the football. I would never say. Okay, I know what's going to be the extra bit. <laughs> <laughs>